Well, the fun thing is we just recorded a review and all of you guys get to listen to the raps first. Isn't that fun? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually fun, but hey, uh, this is episode 118, just to make sure you haven't clicked on or started listening to an incorrect review. But next episode, we are going to be reviewing 119, The Showdown, with Austin Peachy. Oh, that'll be fun. And when we get to that episode... Yeah. So, right, you know what to do. ReturnToGilead.com is a place where you can leave voice messages after you listen to the episode, that is, mm-hmm. which you totally have now, right? Yeah. this is the raps? Exactly. I'm so confused. Let's just get this over with. Well, yeah, so how do you get how do you get to ReturnToGilead.com, Ryan? Personally, I use a computer. Okay. How about an Apple Watch? Can you go to ReturnToGilead.com on your Apple Watch? I don't know. I'm, I'm not bougie enough for that. Oh, well, if anybody can, let us know. We'd like to know. In the meantime, I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time as we once again return to Gilead. Michael and Ryan, this is Noah. Uh, I was NCUT4, who left a review for Return to Gilead on Apple Podcasts. Today I finished my first listen through the entire series of DGL and Beyond Gilead, and I'm so glad that I finally bought the entire series and listened to it. I absolutely loved it. It's so well written. I laughed, cried, and smiled at many different points while listening. Um, It's amazing how the writers truly make you care for each character and the development that each of the main characters gets. And I really love you guys' podcast as well. You guys do a great job reviewing each episode. You put a lot of thought and humor into your discussions. It's just an enjoyable show to listen to, and you guys make it a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to hearing your reviews for the rest of the series. And I listen to a lot of audio drama while I'm at work during the day, and DGL is definitely going in my regular rotation. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, man, thank you so much, Noah. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Noah's previous review, we we read it here on the podcast. I'm so happy you finally finished Gilead, and thanks for sharing your thoughts on just the series overall. Uh, Regardless of however things changed after Beth Culp left, it's still a remarkable series because of the incredible basis she left and because of a lot of, like, great emotional moments that happened in seasons seven, eight, and some parts of the later in the series that we'll, we'll probably get to. So I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Thanks for giving us your feedback, Noah. Yeah. I thought when he said that he laughed, he cried, he was going to make a VeggieTales reference and say, he, it moved me, Bob. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what that but was. That didn't happen. I'm trying to remember what that was from, but I'm not a, that big a VeggieTales fan to know. That was from uh, Dave and the Giant Pickle. Larry Boy says it. Oh, okay, that's a classic. Anyway, back to this. If you want to leave a voice message just like Noah, you can wait until... Oh, wait, this is the backwards episode. Never mind. Let's go to the intro. Let's do that. Here's the summary for today's episode. After a trip to Brooks College for a weekend, Haley has a non-linear story to tell her parents about meeting Brooks' roommate's sister. So uh, I I feel like we should start off this... Well, not start off because reasons. How about we break down what the plot even is here, and then we can get to actually talking about the episode. Okay. I think if I were to break down the plot in its chronological order, yes. 
It's that Haley goes to visit Brooke. Mm-hmm. She meets a friend no, at the... before that. Before that. What? Well, I think we should go through the plot in order, like scene by scene, and what the chronological order is. First, just to get that out of the way, because we've been challenged by Zach to figure this thing out. I'll let you do that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. First, we have the scene. First chronological scene is Haley is at college, and she's talking with Brooke, and she's saying, I'm so excited to be here, and she's rattling off everything that's going on and about... Uh, I think about I think about uh, Grace's locked door, which was the previous episode, and that's the final scene of the episode. Second chronological scene is Haley meeting Molly at the icebreaker thing. There's uh, the the guy who's like, "All right, students, find the one who has the same color as you," or something like that. And uh, Haley has a cutie girl's backpack, and their favorite colors are yellow. With chartreuse is a shade of yellow. Moving on, scene three, which is about halfway through the episode, right after the commercial break, Haley is telling Brooke about how she met Molly, and they're going back to her room. They get to the room, and Molly's there, and Marcy is also there. Marcy's like, "Oh yeah, Molly was telling me about this this person named Haley who she met. I, I guess it was uh, guess it was your sister." And so we jump back a little bit, and they're figuring out stuff to do for the night, and. Brooke and Haley are going to watch a movie in some other guy's room, which I'm going to pause here. Uh, what room is this? You, you, unless this is open dorms, you're not allowed to go in other people's rooms. Like, and it sounds like hall. it's open dorms. Okay, it's, it's open dorms then. I guess that would make sense. We just never have open dorms here at Liberty when it's college for a weekend, so I, I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, they go to a room, and, and Haley's making friends, and there's a guy named Travis who's talking about chartreuse, and that's funny. The next chronological scene and the next scene in the episode is them coming back to Brooke's room, and Brooke's like, Haley, you need to be quiet just in case Marcy's asleep. And they get back there, Molly's asleep, and or Molly's there, and Marcy's just gone. So like, oh, that's, that's too bad. And, they're ta- and they talk to Molly about Christianity and stuff. Next chronological scene is a couple scenes later. They're still talking. They're kind of like staying up that night, uh, not really sure like what to do, whether they should wait up for, for Marcy or not. And then uh, they just talk with Molly a little bit more about Christianity. It's sort of a continuation of the last scene. Jumping back, they wake up at 7.15 and Marcy's there. She's like, oh, is it like I? you, you guys are up really late? And they're like, it, we, we just woke up. And so Marcy's probably going to go to bed since it's like Saturday. And there's sibling Olympics that starts at 8.30. So Brooke and Haley want to get up for that. Next chronological scene and... Um, a couple it's it's a while later in the actual episode they go to the cafeteria and Haley goes off to get some food and meanwhile you know Brooke I don't think you're a really good friend what yeah Marcy told me a bunch of times you're a good friend I don't think so why not you're letting her get away with all this stuff these parties all night and all this it's just not her and it's not good and you can see that why don't you stop her Molly I, I can't just make Marcy that's do not the point A real friend who cares about her would let her get into trouble and learn a lesson. You just help her out of everything and let her think it's okay. You preach all this Jesus stuff. What would Jesus really do, huh? Molly, I... I don't know what to say. Then Molly leaves because she's not hungry and Haley comes back and Brooke is kind of speechless about it. So then they start talking and we get some great conversation there. Skipping ahead, the next couple scenes take place chronologically. We skip scene six, which we just talked about, which is when... They're waiting up for Marcy. Then the next one is Haley and Brooke are talking about more what to do with it. And they mentioned Paul and uh, what that example is. And then next one is Brooke showing Haley a Bible verse at the end of James, which was, I actually was just reading that in scripture. So I know what she's talking about. They pinky promise that they're going to be keeping in touch and trying to keep them each other accountable. Next scene is Haley trying to find a way to keep in touch with Molly and they exchange contact information. Molly gives her a, business card 
But then we jump back to the very one of the very first scenes in the episode, which is Marcy going off saying, "I can't believe you're you're interfering like this. Come on, it, like and with my sister, uh, and she says something like her sister is flipped out about Brooke. Apparently, this is what's a little confusing is that the opening scenes don't really follow, and then we get after that the very first scene of the episode, the opening scene, which is John and Mary coming to uh, Brooke's dorm room, and Brooke, Haley, and Marcy are there, and everyone just sounds horrible. And when they're leaving, Brooke goes solemnly, remember, Haley, sister's pinky promise. So my first, and then throughout the rest of the episode, we have the little bits of John and Mary in the car and Haley jumping back and forth, making this whole thing nonlinear. My first criticism is that if you know the context of that scene, then you know that there's nothing else that's going on there. And at the very end of the episode, as the episode is written... John and Mary are like, oh, it seemed like there was more that was going on in that first scene. But given the fact that they, they now have all of the information, there's actually not. They were just kind of upset because of the way that Marcy just went off at them. But they know that Brooke and Haley had a pretty good week based on what's, what Haley's told them. So while I, as the audience, might think there's something more going on there, that's sort of a red herring. I don't know exactly. It's, it's a bit of a misdirection. But at the end, for John to say, well, I, 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 you could just tell that there was something else going on there. I don't know. Because if he was able to, maybe he just wasn't able to put together all of the weird pieces that Haley was giving him. But if you follow the episode chronologically, all the actions line up, except for John saying that it felt like there was something more. Does that make any sense, Ryan? Yes. And okay. the reason that it makes the reason it feels like there's more is because that first scene is set up to be a dramatic like remember the pinky promise we're going to do something about a currently ongoing problem but there isn't exactly an ongoing problem that Haley can do much about other than pray and do her best to talk to the younger girl I don't remember her name Molly what was that Molly Here's an even deeper thing to this episode oh. is that the lesson in the end that Brooke comes to, she wants to love her roommate and also not enable the sin or the, the mistakes. And so the lesson is don't enable sin, but also show Kristen love somehow. They don't explain how she intends to do that. She's just like, well, I guess I'll have to figure it out. And so... The pinky promise isn't even, we're going to do a specific thing. It's, we're both going to pray and probably figure out a way to do this somehow. Yeah. And that's it. There's no practical application of how to do it. It's just kind of wishful thinking that we'll figure it out someday. And so that last scene or the last chronological scene where they're like, remember the pinky promise, you know, to do that thing that we have no practical means for means of doing. It doesn't make much sense. And so I'd say that John is very justified to be like, I really thought there was more coming here. <laughs> is there a practical application? Is there a plan? Do you guys have a pact? Well, what did you think of Molly's rebuke of Brooke where she says, Marcy says, you're a good friend, but I don't think so because you're letting her get away with all this. If you were really a good friend, you'd let her get in trouble and learn a lesson. Well, there's a good question. How is Brooke enabling this? Yeah, I don't know. Like, we see her go get breakfast for her, but that's about it. Right. So the messing up person, you could say, 
yeah, uh, no, go get your own breakfast, go do your own thing, or I'm going to report you for being out late. I don't know, any of those number of things. If we had seen some scenes earlier in the episode, <laughs> or, <laughs> or anywhere in this <laughs> later episode. Later in the episode? <laughs> yeah, if we'd seen some scenes later in the episode where Marcy is going about these things, maybe we could even have a scene where she's drunk. We've had something like that before. We had Caleb drunk at a party. It wouldn't be out of the purview of it. A scene where Marcy's drunk and says, hey, I need someone to come pick me up. Will you come? Well, even then you go pick somebody up who's drunk because if they drive, that's not going to be good. So we need to see some kind of a scene where what Brooke is doing is getting her out of trouble or like maybe she's drunk. And so Brooke goes and tries to use one of her excused absences or something like that for a teacher and makes an excuse for her getting her out of trouble, it would need to be some kind of a scenario where she is in trouble and Brooke is getting her out of trouble, not just helping her on a general level like she does getting her a pastry. So Molly's criticism of Brooke could be justified, but we don't see it. That's the problem here. I really like this message of if you're a good friend then you'll have rebuke for your friends who are going down a, a, str- a like a bad path. You'll you'll be that voice of reason there even when they don't think they need it. You'll always be there. You'll be dependable. But I don't think it was set up well in this episode how Brooke isn't doing that and how she can do that in the future. It's more a general, your message is good. Something I'll, I'll praise Lori here for is, your message is good. Your theme is good. Nice job. I don't think we saw a strong enough example in the plot from that. And there was such a high potential for it. You could put it literally anywhere in the plot and it would make sense according to this gimmick that the episode has. You'd be fine. <laughs> you just had to put it somewhere in there and you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah, worse. And let's talk about that gimmick real quick. Okay. It's, so if we, if we haven't made it clear by the structure of this episode and everything we've been saying, this episode is all out of order. Basically, Haley's on a car drive with her parents telling the story of the episode, and it goes back and forth between her and the episode, Yeah, and she tells the episode and its scenes back and forth all over the place. Yeah. It's almost basically completely backwards. Oh, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this here. Chronology. If you guys just want to pause the podcast and listen to me say this, the order of the scenes chronologically as we go through, starting with the first scene is scene 13. We go 13, 12, 2, 7, 4, 5, 3, 8, 6, 9, 10, 11, 1. Uh, there, right. It's that a shame down. this episode isn't about patience. <laughs> what? <laughs> Personal preference for this episode. This is not a objective review of the episode. This is a very subjective review of it. I cannot focus when a piece of art, uh, audio drama, movie, whatever, goes back and forth between someone telling the story and then showing the story when there isn't a good reason for the expositional narrative to exist or make sense. Like, there are some pieces, like there's one episode of Doctor Who that does it pretty well where it goes back and forth between the main character telling the story and the story progressing in the past, but shown. But the reason that he's telling the story is because after the fact, he's making a documentary about it. And I'll just put it this way. It's an artistic choice that ends up making sense, but they don't do it to the degree that it distracts from the pacing of the episode. Mm -hmm. Here, I feel every time Haley starts talking, I just cannot focus. (laughs) I, I just, no, 
stop talking, Haley. Start from the beginning, give an intro, and then just keep going from the beginning. I get that Haley doesn't do that in real life. I admire her parents all the more for being able to put up with her. I'm currently working on a chronological cut of this episode that takes each of the the scenes and pieces them together in chronological order. That sounds so nice. Yeah, I will share it with you when it's done. There is a movie that has come out recently. I don't know if I'll mention it because I don't want to give spoilers and also I don't want to necessarily endorse it. There's one that's come out recently that has this very issue. A lot of people praise the fact that it jumps around chronologically. But a criticism levied at that movie, and I'll put it at this one as well, is that there's no narrative reason to jump around because the twists that come from jumping around are merely because you didn't tell us information. It's not like the pieces were here all along and we could have seen this information. It's that you just decided to give it to us out of order. And so it's not necessarily any more fulfilling to see it out of order. It's just like, okay, okay, let me wait until you've given me all the pieces of information. Okay, are we good now? Oh, no, there's another thing that recontextualizes the whole thing. Okay, that's fine. Okay, now we're good. It's not like there's something that happens and the reason why they're acting that way at the beginning is a whole mystery because nobody knows what happened. It's that one of the characters just isn't telling the other characters. And that seems kind of unsatisfying if that character is a protagonist, which in this in the movie's case it is, and which in this episode's case it is because Haley just doesn't know how to structure a story properly. Now, if this were chronological, I think the conflict would also be unresolved because we don't get Brooke's resolution of what she's going to do. We get kind of a two-act structure. The third act being the whole conversation between Haley and her parents in which it's just they're the neutral space. They're very much (laughs) a neutral space trying to figure out what is going on. Now, so your chronological cut, would it just have Haley talking for like 10 (laughs) minutes straight at the end? I, I think I'd cut that just for the sake of time or just for the sake of clarity, <laughs> because it wouldn't really make sense and it'd be really hard to cut. But I'm just imagining yes. it'd be really funny with just like a bunch of music transitions between every time that she's like, okay, and then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might do that. I'm still working on that. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know that I have a ton to say about this episode. It was all out of order, all out of whack, and it was fine. Did you actually talk about the... We, we talked about the theme in relation to we didn't really see what Brooke was doing or wasn't doing what about just in general if there was a case of she's getting marcy out of trouble here do you think that's a good theme do you agree with that i do i think that if brooke's issue is that she's trying to be nice trying to help her roommate wherever she can but that helping ends up meaning that she's enabling or contributing to the problem I have the same standard that I did with Mrs. Kopech or Ms. Kopech way back when that if someone's doing something terrible and you enable that, you say, yeah, that's that's perfectly reasonable to treat your employees that way, even if I'm one of the employees and it's hurting me. uh, Yeah, I'm just going to be nice to you about that. I didn't appreciate that because it's leading to a pattern of that person continuing to do the wrong thing, which is going to affect people other than yourself. And mm-hmm. so now you're create you're allowing more victims by enabling that abuse. It's the same thing here. The person that's getting abused is the roommate when she does things that end up hurting herself and possibly the people around her because she's breaking the rules. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. If this episode had pulled off a nonlinear story in a way that made the whole thing about Brooke's conflict with Marcy and Molly a lot better, that would have been awesome. I would have loved to have seen that if we'd seen more examples of that, but that's not really what we got. It was more style over substance. And that's a yeah. a rough way to critique an episode because just because you do that, that the reason that that happened was not necessarily because you wanted to go for the gimmick and you missed the rest of the story. It was just you didn't do what you should have done from the very beginning for any episode, which is figure out how to how to tell that compelling story the best way possible. Oh, and maybe she did. Sure. Maybe the writer's yeah. room was like, yeah, this is a great way to do it. And we just disagree. That's fine. It's it's sure. it's okay if we have that objective critique. And maybe if, if it got the point that she wanted to across, that's fine. Well, there was something that kind of annoyed me. Scene nine, chronologically, when Haley and Brooke are talking about Paul. And Haley says, well, you know, Paul never let people off the hook when they were doing wrong. Haley was conveniently reading Galatians, which, okay, that's fine. But she talks about how Paul says, even if we should preach, if somebody else should preach another gospel, let them be eternally condemned. And she says, well, see, he called out some people. And then Brooke says, well, yeah, but those were people he knew really well. This is somebody that I barely know. And Haley assents to that. So why was that scene relevant at all? I guess to sort of drop name service to a part of the Bible that sort of relates. Except Brooke then dismisses it and Haley's like, yeah, you're right. That isn't relevant. That's so weird. Yeah. I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> I guess I think I've sort of read it as Haley shares what the Bible says. And then Brooke says, well, here's a complication. And Haley says, yeah, that's rough, buddy. I guess. No. Yeah. It wasn't a, yeah, that's rough, buddy. It was a, yeah, you're right. You don't know her that well. So I guess we're going to have to figure out some other way. And then they go to James <laughs> and find that verse. And it's like, oh, okay. So just anybody who's straying from the path of righteousness, if you put them back on, you'll save them. Like, okay. Well, that's about as much as I have for this episode. How about we wrap this up? That sounds good. Backwards episode. This incense makes nothing since understand, won't you? Matlock Ryan, I'm LaFavor Michael Iman. Gilead Beyond of Fans Backwards Too Weird. Twitchell Lori by Chartreuse of Shades 8-9. Reviewing where today and Gilead to Return. Are on 118, Episode 4, Us Join So. Why? What was that? Oh no! What? I think this episode oh, wait, infected not, us. Hang on, they're not gonna know it because it's gonna be at the very end of the. Oh, Jack is back. <laughs> Hi. That makes it even funnier. There, everything's on fire. We got interruptions of recording. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, deal with it. We're having fun.